There's almost the betrayal of self identity when, you know, you start living a life that you've chosen and worked really hard to get to, you almost feel like you don't deserve it for a Mm -hmm. while. Mm -hmm. And you beat yourself up, you go into self hate, and it's just working and talking yourself out of it. You know, it's, you're allowed to break that mold of your, the self image and the belief system that was handed to to you that you adopted and lived for so long. So this is, it's almost like it is new clothes. It's new skin. Yeah. It's new everything. It's new cells even. Yeah. And it pushes through. And when I start to slip back to sadness or darkness or depression or self-hate, I don't want to live there anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't want that to be my identity. And I stop myself from falling into it You're a high achiever. On paper and through the eyes of others, you've made it. Congratulations. But the truth is, you feel unwanted, unworthy, and unlovable. You always have, but you hide it well. Welcome to the Trauma Hiders Podcast. I'm Karen Goldfinger Baker, and this is a podcast where high achievers like you finally reveal what keeps them up at night that no amount of money or recognition will fix. I'm also making it my business to speak with people who get you. Hell, I get you. I am you. So get your best hider's face on, sit down, and let your guard down. What's on the other side of this shit will change your life. There are so many ways people like us fuck ourselves over. But let's start with five ways. When you know them, maybe you'll finally stop doing them. Over on my website, you'll find a free download listing the five ways your fuckery is getting in the way of the next level of your success. Grab it now at karengoldfingerbaker.com. If you've ever wondered what transformation sounds like, you've come to the right place. My guest today is Joe Ryan. We first met Joe in the Trauma Hiders Club in November of 2021. My experience of that show was deep, heavy darkness blended with a glimmer of hope. Fast forward a lifetime of work over the last six months, and we have this show. As you listen to this episode, know that you are listening to what transformation sounds like. And that sound is everything. This is the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. Joe, you are back. I'm back. Back and better than ever. Smiling a lot more these days. Yeah. You know, listeners can't see what you look like, but I have to say that you looked different the last time we recorded. Yeah, a lot emotionally heavier and just didn't have as much of a smile as I do these days. So the work is paying off. Yeah. Like there is, um, there's a radiance and a, I don't know, like a sparkle. I don't know how much that lands with you, but I see this sparkliness in your radiance and it's thank you. It's hard to see yourself, but when uh, you get those mirroring faces, when you show people haven't seen you in a while and they comment on it, you're like, Oh yeah, maybe I'm doing better than I thought. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Maybe we'll have to put a new picture up for you on our our show art. 
I'm going to have to get some done because I have nothing good laying around. <laughs> I'll have to look at what we have and maybe, I don't know, we'll see what we have compared to what I'm seeing today. So here we are several months later, reconnecting. So tell me, I'm going to ask you a hard hitter. Uh, I got to come up with that hard hitter. What don't you want us to know about you? <laughs> There's not much left. I mean, with the podcast, it's pretty much all out there. I've gone to really dark, deep places and mm -hmm. exposed myself in ways that I never thought I could or would desire to. But the um, there's not much left. You know, I guess now it's having dug out of the darkness and kind of resolved a, a decent amount of my past, it is, I guess what I wouldn't want people to know is how I'm struggling to speak and live from this new place. I feel very comfortable in my own skin for the first time, you know, not being identifying as a victim and poor me and helpless and, you know, trying to learn how to live more comfortably empowered. Mm. Um, I thought when I went through and started to resolve the past that all of a sudden it'd be like this magic little light bulb and go, oh, you're here, you're, you arrived, everything's great, it's going to be easy. But the, the struggles going forward are better, but they're, they're also challenging because you still have that, that image of yourself that creeps back in every once in a while and you have to recognize when it shows up. Mm -hmm. and not spiral down into that abyss and pull yourself out of it before you fall into it. And mm. that's, that's a struggle because, you know, you're walking around confident for a couple of days and you don't realize it. And then something hits you and you're like, oh God, I'm that worthless piece of shit again. No, you're not. No, you're not. Hold on. This was just a blip on the radar. We know how to handle this now. So I nice. think that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say is that it's almost like wearing these new clothes, right? Like creating this whole new persona, rightfully so, having done the work to, to do that. Yet, like the, the outside world might see what looks like new, like for, right away I could see like sparkly, radiant Joe. And yet the world may not know what's different about you. So there is a part of you, like the world may know dark Joe and they might expect dark Joe. And so how do we reconcile the, the joyful, geez, like if we can say that about joyful Joe, fucking <laughs> joyful Joe, right? How do you show up in a different way? There's almost a guilt about it. Like yeah. there's almost a betrayal of self identity when, yeah. you know, you start living a life that you've chosen and worked really hard to get to. You almost feel like you don't deserve it for a mm -hmm. while mm -hmm. and you beat yourself up. You go into self hate and it's just working and talking yourself out of it. You know, it's you're allowed to break that mold of your the self image and the belief system that was handed to, to you that you adopted and lived for so long. So this is, it's almost like it is new clothes. It's new skin. Yeah. It, it's new everything. It's and new this, cells even. Yeah. And it pushes through. And when I start to slip back to sadness or darkness or depression or self-hate, 
I don't want to live there anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't want that to be my identity. And I stop myself from falling into it. It's uncomfortable because you you almost feel like a fraud for being happy and, and having light and, and airness about you because people know you your whole life one way. You know yourself the one way. And then you show up and you do have, I, I have been clothes shopping lately, so I have a whole new wardrobe and it's like a whole new me. And people just look at you and go, what happened to the guy I knew? And I'm like, I buried him a weeks ago and he is not coming back. Yeah. Yeah. What I hear in, in all of that is I, I get like, I get the guilt part about the new me. And also I hear all of our parts, right? We don't, we don't ever really get rid of them. We can't cut them out. We can't surgically remove them. They stay with us. It's that those parts, even the ones that we don't like and we reject, they will fucking fight back and try to bring you back. And so, right? So part of yeah. what we do is acknowledge them for how they helped us, even if they fucked us over. But there was something that helped us survive. Right. So you cut those parts of you off that weren't acceptable from where you came from. So I was typically only allowed to be happy, shiny, and glossy. I wasn't allowed to be sad, miserable, dark, angry. So those parts of me cut off. I became a people pleaser. I abandoned myself to everybody else. I made sure everybody around me was okay. So I had felt safe and I completely abandoned everything that I felt, all my mm -hmm. wants, needs, and desires. To get to this place of feeling better about yourself is taking those cutoff parts and start to slowly integrate them back in. And that is such a painful process because we are sad and we are lonely and we are hurt and we are in pain. The more I avoided it, the more I pushed it away, the more I had mood altered, the, the stronger and greater it became. And it got to the point where it took me over. So for me, the path out was to allow myself to feel all of the things that I wasn't allowed to be, feel, and experience. And I had to really, I say this a lot, I had to humiliate myself to myself. I had to go into my shame and my humiliation and my failures and my character defects, and I had to own them. They're not gone. They show up every day in some shape, you know, but it's, it's integrating it back in and learning how to accept those parts of you that you found or your caregivers found unlovable, which then you found unlovable and starting to love yourself for your darkness, for your sadness, for your fuck ups, for your being unkind and manipulating, controlling and all those fun aspects of you. You know, at this point, you can come to me and say you are a codependent, people pleasing with abandonment issues. And I'd be like, yeah, what's yeah. your point? Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, Keep going. I, I got a lot more shit. Right. Yeah. That, that list is way too short. You got right. a lot further to go before you get on my nerves. <laughs> right. It's like, you don't even know me. If you knew me, you would really see my shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love, I love that. Cause I'll be honest with you. Like I started to get a little bit nervous earlier in this conversation, even after I hit the recording button, what I thought you were saying was that you cut, you willingly cut the parts of you that were creating the struggle off, but you didn't say that. What you no. did say was the integration. And that's the key. The more we cut parts of ourselves off, the more they fucking fight back and bite us in the ass. 
Yeah, you know the saying, what you resist persists and yes. it just gets stronger and greater. It's fearing our darkness. It's fearing a shadow. And, you know, underneath the self-hate, the shame, the abuse, the trauma is truly a, 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 a source of joy mm-hmm. that just is there, that doesn't need to be manufactured by money or events or gambling or sex or anything like that. It's just there. It's getting under all those layers of shit that you can poke this hole. And once you feel that one little twinge of joy that came out of nowhere, for me, that became addicting. And I just kept going back into the pain. People look at me and go, you're so hard on yourself. And I'm like, well, I have to be to heal. And that discipline to, to do the work I've taught myself that now I don't have to be hard on myself. Like there's a love and an understanding and a compassion for what I had gone through. And now after beating myself up for the last four or five years, I kind of took my foot off the gas and I'm starting to see my worth and value more. And that's, and then you build on it. It's getting to it, feeling it, experiencing it, acknowledging it and then figuring out ways to build on that worth. And once you start building it up, if it, you, you're not going to want to stop. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What, what I'm hearing is once you can give yourself compassion or what we might call self-compassion, once you are there and you have a, even a little bit where you're like, oh, look at that. I didn't have to shit on myself, I could give myself some grace. Oh, and that actually worked. Like the more you can practice that, the more surrender, peace, love, whatever it is you're trying to create, even if you don't know, will show up. Right. And the big key for me was when I realized the layers were, you know, the trauma, the shame and the self-hate. So my Mm -hmm. self-hate controlled my shame. Mm. So if I am hating on myself, I can control how much, how bad I feel. If I'm not hating on myself and somebody else hates on me, I become very reactive and I have no control over it. So for me, that was a huge key to start seeing why do I hate myself? Well, it was because of the shame. And why do I have shame? Because of the abuse and trauma. So learning to accept the shame that you feel and working through it eased the self-hate. And once the self-hate started to ease, there was space in me for that self-compassion and that understanding. And a lot of it was to start looking at my life and at myself as I would look at a five-year-old child. Mm -hmm. What kind of understanding and love and compassion would I have for a child that was hurting? So I kept looking at myself as an infant, as a toddler, as a young boy, And you should be scared. If emotionally I'm seven, I should be frightened of this. Instead of saying, you're a worthless piece of shit. You're a fearful loser. You shouldn't, you're a grown man. You shouldn't be afraid of this. It was like, no, you're an emotional child. Give yourself some some understanding and grace here to get through it. And when I can show up for myself in that way to get through the fearful things, I just start to build this better foundation of me. And as I worked through those fears, that fear started to become confidence. And then it was more to stand on. Mm, Really nice. So I imagine that listeners who relate, see themselves in you and me, may ask, well, that's incredible. What 
what an outcome. How the fuck did you do this? How did you do this? <laughs> a lot of just sitting with uncomfortable feelings, sitting in my self-hate instead of mood altering, sitting in the shame. The biggest thing for me was to actually go back to the biggest forms of abuse that I had experienced as a child and relive them emotionally. I took myself back the first couple of times was on my own. And then I found a really good therapist and we kept going back to them. I went back to one specific event about 17 times. And every time I went back there, it was either anger or shame, hate, sadness, tears, crying. Each continuous time that I went back, it was less painful. Mm. I started to accept what had happened to me. I had taken the blame off of myself. I realized that I had no control over the situation. There was nothing I could have done to change it. And by the, the 12, 14 time, I kept going back to it. And I'm like, well, I'm not crying this time. I guess we're making progress. And then at some point, I didn't need to go back there. I, went, I basically incorporated the part that I had no memory of for decades. And I just instead, and it was running my life and unknowingly. So when I first discovered it, it was like, I don't know if I can live with this. And then it was not only can I live with it, I am going to tame the shit out of this to the point where it doesn't affect me going forward. And I'm going to work through whatever residual effects had come up from it. That was huge for me, but it's, it's sitting in the feelings, identifying the feelings, connecting the dots to where you're stuck and just kind of working through it. I, I recommend finding a good therapist. Mm -hmm. If you're with the therapist for more than a couple of years and you are not progressing, fire them and go find somebody who's going to challenge you and not listen to your bullshit endlessly session after session agreeing with you. You're gonna want somebody that's gonna hold that mirror up to you and say, this is what it looks like to me. Instead of you telling them what it looks like and them just yesing you. Yeah, for sure. If it feels like a coffee date, fuck it. It's not the right, it's <laughs> right. not therapy, right? <laughs> if it feels like talking to a good friend, it's not therapy. If it makes exactly. you right, if you're a little bit scared and they're even a lot scared, not scared necessarily, but there's a there's an excited sort of fear. Yeah, there should be for me, there should be some kind of anxious feeling about yeah. showing up for therapy. It's not supposed to be a comforting thing for me. Like I want, you know, even with my coaching, I could see where my clients I feel like they need to go and I drop breadcrumbs. Like I want a therapist to do that for me because there's things that I just can't see. So I want somebody to drop breadcrumbs. I want somebody to challenge my thought process, my belief system, to, to reframe it, to show me another way. You know, my therapist now, I'm working on this one issue that's absolutely brutal. And when it came up and I started to realize it, it was near the end of the session. I said, listen, let's save this for next time. I said, I'm not ready to get into it. Started the next session I was avoiding. I was avoiding it for like 15 minutes. She goes, I know what you're doing. And I'm like, what? She goes, you're avoiding. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I am not ready for this. And she's like, if not now, when? And I got into it and it was so weird to be this far along in the process. I go, listen, you're gonna get a lot of resistance. You're gonna have about 47 yeah buts. I need you to challenge me. I need you to push me. And I need you to take me out of the resistance and my crazy belief system that I think my way of thinking is right. 
And that's the relationship I have with her now. And it's taken me a long time to get to that point. I mean, she works for me. Right. So right. she, I, you know, as much as I want her to guide me, I, I need to find the places that I need to go and I need to let her know what they are to give her a hand. It has to be this, this nice partnership intertwined relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is. It's like a co-creation. It's a partnership. Yeah. 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 Very cool. That's really cool stuff. So if we go to now, right? So I asked you like, how did you get here? If we go to now, what would you say you have created? Like if there is a, a word that describes your life, we used to have dark, we used to have dark Joe. What do we have now? Resilience and tenacity. Mm. Did I have to choose one? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can only go with one. Tenacious. Okay, it's my show. I get to choose. I'm choosing Abundant Joe. Okay. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> okay, does it fit? It does. I was empty, beaten, defeated, a shell of a human being, nothing that even closely resembled a man. And I feel like it's all encompassing now. There is, I got rid of the old and the dark and I'm starting to fill it with light and joy. And I do feel full. And you know, it's funny, I have an episode coming out next week, um, Love Without Fear. And the trapped emotions, whether they're negative or positive, meaning, you know, anger, hurt versus love and compassion. When we block negative or fearful things, we block the joyful things. That's right. And the thing that I've realized, and in the episode, I mentioned it, I have this overabundance of love to give and this space inside of me of love to receive now. Mm -hmm. It's finding a safe place to do it because of where we came from. Love was, you know, we, we were betrayed. So yeah, there is an abundance and I'm tr learning how to let it fill me up and overflow to others. And one of the greatest joys for me now is being able to express myself more freely without fear. I'm the overshare guy. I'll say too much in this episode. If this was two years ago and we were doing this, I would, I would for three days, I would be obsessing about what I said, how it looked. And now it's just, it's me and it's coming out and there's something really incredible about not censoring your feelings, your thoughts, your emotions. It's an inc it's incredible to just a freedom to not censor yourself as much. I love this. I love everything that you're saying. I think if we if we compared the last podcast interview we did <laughs> with this one, we would hear a held back stutter in you that. I'm not experiencing, I'm experiencing flow and yeah. joy and radiance and right. Like just the peace that comes with surrender and yeah, it's beautiful. So abundant. Thank you. I appreciate hearing yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Abundant Joe is in the world and there's so much there there's just so much on every level, like feeling and less hiding and more presence, more generosity, just the, all the things. What has shifted for you in terms of how you show up with your, 
your client. So you do, you're, you're a coach. Yeah. What has shifted in your way of being and therefore the way you show up with your clients? Probably the, the, the biggest thing is getting over my fear of going to dark places mm. and if, you know, worrying about triggering the clients. So I found a way in me to get to these places where it's not jarring, mm -hmm. where it's a slow drip and breadcrumbs to where I feel like they need to go to start resolving things. I have given myself that compassion now, instead of beating myself up for not getting there, for not understanding it, for not being a better person, my patience and tolerance within myself has helped with the clients that it's assessing them way better than I did when I first started and knowing how much to kind of push back mm -hmm. and what degree that they can handle where we're going to go soon. Okay. So what I hear you saying is that you're putting a high value on safety. Always. Right. And I don't mean... When I say safety, I don't mean that you're doing like light level coaching. I mean, creating a safe space for people to do the work. So I'm curious about you. Have you either had a therapist or a coach ever who was not aware of their own triggering ways? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What I found most about therapists and coach that I've coaches that I've had over the years is they can't nobody can go with you where they haven't been. That's right. So I've been pretty dark my whole existence. And I've had coaches and therapists that I've tried to go places with, and I felt very shamed by them trying to take me out of my feelings, by them. I could see them getting uncomfortable. I need somebody that's going to take the ride with me to the worst, darkest places of abuse and sit with me and hold that space. And I've been to a lot of dark places and I haven't had a client yet that has gone anywhere that I haven't been. That's right. So when I, when they go there, they feel safe. Yeah. Because they've heard me talk for a couple of years now on the podcast. They know how deep and dark and I'm pretty open and exposed in my words that I, they feel safe. I think when they show up at my doorstep and as we do the work and there's a trust that has to be built with any relationship like that. So a lot of them start off slow. Yeah. Some people don't, couldn't find an emotion with a flashlight because of the way they lived. And you have to treat those clients differently than the ones that come in and go, let me just tell you the worst thing that ever happened to me. Like right. in the first three minutes, you can't, I can't coach one way. I have to adapt to who is in front of me based on the information they're giving me and the feeling that I get. That's how I have to approach it. I don't like therapists who have one way of doing it. Like we're, we're so complex as a species. How could you choose one way to treat every patient that walks through the door? Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that what you, what I see in you, Joe, is that you take your own heartbreak, essentially, right? And you show up in that for your clients and for the life you're building for yourself. It's, you are coming from your, your heart. 
that's the only way I know how to live these days. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I'm a dreamer. I've always been a dreamer, but the better everybody around you does, the better the world does. And, you know, I lived in this isolated place, this fearful place, this lonely place. I felt like I was defective. My thought process was completely wrong. And when I started doing the podcast, the biggest thing that I got out of it was people telling me, oh my God, I have felt and thought the same my whole life. And I was like, really? You mean I'm not the only freak? Like that's how I had felt. And I know how bad it was for me to be who I am and not be able to be that safely. That that's what I want to give, because if I don't give this away, what's the point of having gone through all of it? So the more people that I can touch either through coaching or writing or the podcast, there's a healing that goes on and it's a ripple effect. And you hope at some point <laughs> it ripples out enough to make some kind of change. I mean, honestly, is it going to be on a global level? I seriously doubt it. But even if you're touching one, two, three, eight people and make their lives better, I don't want people to hurt the way I hurt. And I wish that I had found somebody a lot earlier in life to do this work with. Mm. Well, if that's not the definition of abundance, <laughs> I don't know what is. Now, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's abundance. It's generosity, right? You are creating the thing that wasn't there when you needed it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and yeah. and for me, and here's the selfish part of it, there's healing in that for me. I know. Watching but, people transform in front of my eyes and right. heal and feel better heals me yes. in a sense. It gives my it gives the, what I went through in this life a sense of purpose and, yeah. and a reason for it. Yeah. That insight that you have, having done that work, is somebody's lifeline. It is somebody's lifeline. And as much as you have benefited and changed around that, there is somebody, and by the way, there are probably 10,000 somebodies who are hanging there, not knowing what to do. But if they find their way to you, and to me, I'll, I'll say it too, so much can change. They're to learn that you're not alone is it's it's everything. I mean, there's yeah. so many people that are holding on by a thread. I was yeah. holding on by a yes. thread. I was searching for something and somebody to relate to, and it just wasn't out there. I couldn't yeah. find it. And for me, there it's it's the same as you know, if they find me or you, they feel less alone and more understood, but so do we. Yes. Like, it's this give and take relationship. We, we need each other in this. We need to stop hiding behind the shame and the abuse and start coming out of hiding and realizing that every person on this planet is struggling with something. Everybody has been used and abused at some point. And we paint this shiny, glossy picture of success and money and fashion and looks and status. And it's all bullshit to cover up your lack of self-worth. What, wh why are we still pretending at this point? Like that's, right. stop. stop. We're, all, we we're all a mess. We're all Let's, a mess. Can we just agree that we are a mess as a species and level the playing field? <laughs> you know, there's like, I don't know, like women's heart month and suicide prevention month. What if there was just like 
be a fucking man. What if there was authenticity <laughs> month? Authentic, right? Right. Authentic. Show up authentically. And we don't mean it in the shitty, crappy ass way that authenticity has been thrown around. What I mean by authenticity month is like, show me who you really fucking are. Stop yeah. pretending. It's too scary to do that, especially when you've been shamed and abused and manipulated and controlled and conditioned to think that you're not good enough. Yeah. The hardest, the hard part about this journey is to go against your family system and society system because they both tell you what you're supposed to be. And it doesn't fit who I am. For me to be who I am, I'm a land of misfit toys. I'm a freak. I don't fit into a mold. And my whole life, I try to. And when you try to break out of that mold, it's so uncomfortable to have people. I don't feel good about myself as it is. Now I'm going to go against the grain. Now I'm going to go stand on my own. That's fucking difficult. That is painful because now it just put me into more of my worthlessness. Now I don't fit in anywhere. The point for me is to not fit in someplace. It's to belong to self. That's right. And when you belong to self, you will start to have people gravitate towards you who are like-minded in the same ways that you see the world. I have so many people that, 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 that show up and they're like, I don't have the courage to say what you say. And I'm like, my answer is not yet. Yeah. I got on the parkway just a little bit before you did. If this is possible for anybody, it is learning how to believe in yourself and look at the system that you're living in. Who are you allowed to be and who are you not allowed to be? And who are you really between the two? Yeah. Dang. Sorry, I get very passionate. (laughs) I love it. Don't be sorry. This is it. In fact, maybe it's like the month of enoughness, enoughness month or believe in yourself month, or be yourself. I don't know what it is. Really beautiful. Um, I feel like this, like we could yet have a part three. I, I feel like everything that we just said here is enough. Okay. Speaking of enoughness. Yeah. <laughs> One question for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. There'll be two, two more questions, but this is the first of two. What are you most excited about in your world right now? I'm excited to that to be living the life that I envisioned. Ah. It is just the beginning, and I am so much more than I've become. And I'm looking forward to growing into that. Dang, that's gorgeous. Really gorgeous. Cool. What's been most helpful for you being here in the Trauma Hiders Club? It, you know, having a voice, um, talking with like-minded people, mm-hmm. I, I, your questions make me think about answers that I didn't know I had before. And, you, you know, you really can't put a price on somebody evoking thought to find out who you are more. Yeah, yep. that's what we do, right? That's who mm-hmm. we are. And that's what we do. Well, this was great. I loved having you here. I think that listeners will say more Joe abundant Joe. (laughs) Fuck. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the time. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. For more episodes, head over to my website where you'll find links to resources mentioned and all the ways you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ready to fight, discover the rules of Trauma Club. Head over to KarenGoldfingerBaker.com.